Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This is Cameron and you're listening to the Nursing Crash Cart episode number 9 or 10 Reasons Not to Be an ED Nurse. Now I think this is a fantastic job and the more exposure that I have to other aspects of healthcare, the more it, it definitely reinforces that an emergency department is where I am meant to stay. Elbows deep in sucking chest wounds and gunshot wounds and intubations and chest compressions is an amazing career. There are days where I leave the department at the end of my shift and think, man, can you believe they pay us to have this much fun? But just like with any job, there are parts that aren't talked about. Some parts that make the job difficult in a bad way and parts that distinctly leave some people with an impression that this isn't the career they thought it would be. I've talked about reasons why I love working in an emergency department. Now let me tell you some reasons why you might not want to work in one. And then you can try to weigh these reasons against your passion for this field and see if it still comes out on top. Number 10, and the completely obvious one, drug seekers. You know, there are days where I wish they would just come in and say, Hi, I'm here, so I don't withdraw from my Percocet slash Oxycontin slash heroin addiction. And I could use some help. I don't have anything else wrong with me at all. Instead, they want you to contact the Academy Awards and try to get a late nomination for the best portrayal of back pain or abdominal pain. They present with pain out of proportion. They jump off the bed with the slightest touch. Yet... Miraculously, their labs are all normal. The ultrasound's normal. The CAT scan is normal. The teaching on the need for follow-up care is completely ignored. The number of times that staff respond to a call light for pain, or hospital socks, or a turkey sandwich, or a Sierra Mist, or crackers, or a bus pass, or because they've gagged themselves until they vomited on the floor, it's a gigantic waste of hospital resources. Resources that could have been used for someone who is open and honest about their visit today. Addiction is horrible. It's easy to be cynical because we see it every day, but it is horrible. We don't give it the credit it deserves. However, the addicted don't give us the credit we deserve. You develop a, a gestalt for the seekers. But the one that you ignore is the one with the surgical abdomen, so they all get worked up. They deplete your entire stock of hydromorphone because they have the tolerance of a black rhino. They leave AMA when they get to the floor when it, or when it takes too long for their next dose in the ED. But, you know, I enjoy talking with these people who are open and honest about their addiction. I'll advocate for these people. We're not going to fix them today, but we can get them a fix and then get them some resources for some help and then get them out of the department. But the amount of wastefulness that you will see daily because of addictions that emergency departments are absolutely guilty of helping feed will drain your soul if you let it. Number nine, the smells. Oh God, the smells. Necrotic tissue bloody stool cascading off a bed and splashing on the floor, blood-filled emesis ricocheting off the wall like it's coming out of Linda Blair, the ammonia smell of the crazy cat lady who was about two hours away from being eaten by her pets because they thought she was dead, 
gangrenous, diabetic foot wounds, hell, feet in general, people with enough yeast to open a bakery, smells that are so bad that hours later you catch a whiff of it and realize it's, it's permeated your scrubs and the cilia of your nose, and you may as well go take a bath in chlorhexidine because you won't feel clean ever again. Number eight, the majority of your patients don't need to be in the emergency department. Hangnails are not emergencies. Nausea for one hour, also not an emergency. Back pain for six years with no new injury? Nope, not an emergency. I just want to know if I'm pregnant. Nope, still not an emergency. The unfortunate truth is the vast majority of patients that you will see are appropriate for an urgent care or their family doctor, but simply come because of the convenience of not having to make an appointment, not requiring insurance, not charging anything up front, and because apparently our sandwiches and carbonated beverages are the best around. TV shows have absolutely lied to you. There's not a mass casualty train wreck every single day. You're not intubating every third patient, and you don't crack the chest of every single trauma that comes through. Number seven. The ED is a dumping ground. Drunk guy that the police picked up? Yeah, they dropped him off in the emergency department. How about the schizophrenic guy who's been off of his meds and he's screaming at a stuffed animal at a bus stop? To the ED we go. Family doctor couldn't make an appointment today? Ah, send them to the emergency department. Someone has unspecified abdominal pain in an urgent care? Well, heck, it could be an appy. Better get to the ED. Family member who is visiting a patient on the floor? Got hypoglycemic because they haven't eaten all day? Well, here's your phone call. Hi, this is so-and-so from the floor. Yeah, we had a family member. Their sugar was 47. He kind of got a little little uh, clammy on us. He's awake now and he's eating, but we're going to send him down to you for an evaluation. We told him you wouldn't have to, he wouldn't have to wait or anything. You just get him a bed right away since his wife's up here. Between the abuse of use for the emergency department and the dumping that occurs, there's absolutely no wonder that most are overcrowded with long wait times. Number six, you have to work fast. It's all about throughput, moving the meat, treat them and street them. EKG within 8 minutes, aspirin within 10 minutes, cath lab within 15 minutes, stroke alert head CT within 15 minutes, labs back within 30 minutes, septic patient blood culture getting sent, and antibiotics going within an hour. There's a ton of time-based metrics, and you don't know what's coming in the door next. All these things would be easy to meet if you were overstaffed and you had the whole day planned. But you don't get to come in and start your shift and say, you know what, let's have the, the STEMI at 1130, let's schedule the stroke alert for 1400, and then, you know, let's get the septic shock, pa- shock patient between uh, 16 and 1700. You may have all three in your assignment, all at once, and be understaffed. You better get busy. Number five, you have to think fast. This ties in with the speed of the work. You don't get three shifts in three days in a row to have time to talk with a patient and their family. You get, realistically, between assessments, reassessments, maybe you also triage the patient and then discharge, somewhere around 20 to 30 minutes of face-to-face time with most of your patients. Obviously more for the critically ill, but less for that ESI-5 worried well patient. 
You need to know who needs you the most. What's the most important task at any given time? What's safe to delegate? What can't be delegated? What's the worst case scenario with the patient you just saw? How likely is that going to be to happen? Is there anything you can do to prevent it? Critical thinking done safely and done quickly. There's an old saying that good judgment comes from experience, and experience comes from bad judgment. We don't always get the liberty of bad judgment in healthcare. Constantly be filing away patient presentations in your mind so you know the dance of every little thing that comes your way. Number four, the chaos. It is adorable watching those who are new to an ED environment try to plan things. Things that I've heard from new hires include, at what time are pain medications given? And when is dinner served? And is there a schedule for bathing? Do you do odd rooms during the day shift and even rooms during the night shift? And if you're wondering, the answers are, hopefully within a few minutes of it being ordered, never, and if you think they need it and no one's dying, go for it. You don't get to plan. You reorder your tasks every moment and you do what's most important. Then you drop it all for the patient that needs intubating and hope your fellow coworkers are making sure the rest of your assignment is at least breathing. Then a family member yells at you because they've been waiting for 40 minutes for that warm blanket you promised their loved one. Number three, the lack of finality. There's a reason that people who work in the ED have hobbies outside the department that allow them to see something through from start to finish. Because we don't get that in our job. Hey, what happened to that stroke alert last night? Hey, did that guy on pressers that we sent out to the unit last week ever wake up? Hey, hey, that stimmy alert that we had yesterday ended up on a balloon pump. How'd they do? Hey, I heard our trauma yesterday is on a rotoprone bed today. You don't get to see what happens to them. You stabilize and you move on to the next. And you don't get to see how they do on day two or day 20. And when they come back to the hospital for the hallmark story to thank everyone that helped them, it's the ICU nurse that they're going to go thank. It's not going to be the team that got ROSC, that decompressed the lung, reduced the femur fracture in the trauma bay. But don't worry, you're doing it all again today. Number two, the rest of the hospital seems to hate you. It doesn't matter what you do, you did it wrong. Why are you admitting a patient at 7.05? Don't you know that shift change? Well, gee, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that our patients should plan their workups around your schedule. Do you mind coming downstairs and telling that to the chest pains and the lacerations and the people vomiting in my waiting room who are not so patiently waiting for this guy's room? There's about 40 of them. Have fun. (sighs) This is my second admission today. Well, really, it's my 12th and I discharged another dozen. Or the ever-popular, when you're calling report, when was their last bowel movement? Man, they're here for chest pain. If you want to know so much, they'll be your way in five minutes. Sorry we can't take that patient who has a systolic blood pressure of 202. If it's over 200, they have to go to the step-down unit. Never mind the fact that they've been NPO for the last eight hours, haven't had their blood pressure medication this evening. They likely live in that range, and they have zero signs of end-organ failure. But protocols mean we have to waste more time waiting for a bed because clinical judgment gets thrown out the window for fear of getting fired or reprimanded because a systolic blood pressure was charted at 199. It wasn't uh, charted at 199 instead of 202. Yet they all secretly want to be you. There's not a hot new show on TV this fall called Med Surge. You don't watch reruns of Circulating OR Nurse on Bravo. 
You know, there was a spotlight on a local news station regarding the care for a critical patient at our hospital. And on the social media story link, there was a comment saying, Hey, my daughter so-and-so works in the ER there and helped care for this patient. Except, you know they don't, because that's where you work. But people will say they work in an ED because it's cool to work in an ED. And number one, people just won't understand your job. When someone hears what you do and they say, oh, wow, that has to be exciting. What's that like? And you can't possibly explain to them what it's like. You can try to give generalizations, but you can't really make somebody, quote unquote, get it. You know, they ask you about your most goriest story or the grossest thing you've ever seen. And you just kind of draw a blank. I don't keep a top 10 list around for parties of gross stuff. I can tell you about some of the things where I've you know, had to step away from the patients, wipe away some tears, compose myself, and then move on to the next patient because a toddler drowned, or a family had a difficult time coping with the loss of a loved one, or a 10-year-old that was referred to a pediatric oncologist for a new diagnosis of brain cancer. But the gross stuff, the gory stuff, man, that's TV land. It doesn't even stay in my memory for the next shift without someone bringing it up specifically. People don't really understand the nursing profession in general. Look at that whole ordeal with The View recently. There's a complete misconception about what nursing even is in this era of healthcare. You know, we joke in the ED that RN stands for refreshments and narcotics, but people outside of any real exposure to the healthcare system, they just don't grasp the breadth and the depth of what is asked of us day in and day out. Is it anything like what's on TV? Yeah, I totally remember that time where a team of residents performed total care in my assignment in the ED. They don't understand what emergency means. Everyone feels their viral cough or one day of vomiting is an emergency. But you can't grab them by their shirt and drag them into a resuscitation room and make them stare at a real emergency. They don't understand why you prioritize something else over crackers and ice chips for their loved one. They don't understand that just because it's an emergency department, it doesn't mean you're going to be in and out in 30 minutes. And they sure won't understand when you try and tell them what it's like to be an ER nurse. And that's it for today. If you can handle these 10 things and you still want to work in the ED, then come join us. Because despite these reasons, it is the best and most rewarding job with the greatest team of people that I've ever been a part of. If I can't be Batman or Neil deGrasse Tyson, I'll take ER Nurse. I hope you've enjoyed hearing about some of the darker side of the ED today. And if you want to contact me, you can email me at edcrashcart at gmail.com. Catch me on Twitter at edcrashcart. And find me on the web at www.edcrashcart.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can check out more episodes on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And thank you again for listening, and I hope you still want to be ER nurses after this podcast. Unless you can be Batman, then, you know, go be Batman. <laughs>